Welcome to Bible study. It's good to see everybody tonight. Glad you're here. Going to start our time in prayer. Ask God's blessing. Jesus, thanks for your presence here. We've gathered in your name, and here you are in our midst. We invite you to teach us. We ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into your truth and understanding and revelation. We ask you, God, that we'd be open and ready to receive what you want to say and how you want to teach us and challenge us tonight. God, I pray that we'd be changed. I pray that we'd be able to make some decisions tonight. I just ask you, God, this would be a time where maybe some old ideas get shaken up a little bit and some new ideas get implanted. But God, I pray that we're just open to say, Jesus, have your way. Do what you want to do tonight. We give you this time. We ask you, God, that you be glorified in it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and you can grab a Bible off the table, we have them available around the room here. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And as you're opening there, a quick reminder that we have an interactive feature for Bible study uh, through a website at www.speakpipe.com. S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com and slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You can toggle a button there and leave us a message. It could be a question, a comment. We'd love to hear from you, especially those of you that are listening to this in other places, in other lands. Uh, we'd love to have you interact with us a little bit and we'll be sure to play it and uh, make it a part of our Bible study time. First Corinthians chapter 2, I need a volunteer for verse 12. Whenever you're ready. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. All right, thanks for reading that. Uh, when Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians, he uh, specifically was likely talking about himself and the other and the other apostles, and that was kind of a weird relationship. I don't know if you understand that from church history. But Paul had a, an interesting relationship with the other apostles because in our minds, we're thinking, well, he was around the whole time, but he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't part of the 12 that followed Jesus. You know that, right? He came later. And so there were those apostles that had followed after Jesus. There was one that was now gone. And then there was another uh, that had taken his place through the drawing of lots. And so they were the original apostles, and Paul was one that was called, he describes himself kind of out of time that he was called. And so he answered the call, and he was serving, but uh, he often referred to, or he would refer to himself as an apostle. He'd refer to himself along with the apostles, and he was probably referring to all of them together, uh, when in the we that you read there, we have. But he was referring beyond that even to all the disciples and all of us. Uh, if you begin to just manifest that through time and stretch that through the time, uh, he's talking about disciples. He's talking about those that have received of the Spirit of God, those that have not received of the Spirit of this world. And I think that's kind of an interesting way to state it because he talks about the Spirit of this world and and that that's kind of a weird way to put it you know people say well that must mean the devil that's not what that means really uh he's the god of this world the bible says but small g god of this world but he's you know the, the idea of the spirit of this world is, is something else and it's something that that we have in us when we're born uh, we have that and so it's not something you have to work for it's not something you have to ask for. It's not something you, you have to put yourself in a position to get. You just have it. And so we're born with that. Every kid is born with that. If you've ever known a two-year-old, they have it. All of them. I mean, they just do. And, and they can turn out to be the nicest people in the world, but you can see that in a two-year-old. You can see that in little kids. And, and I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong or bad or anything else. It just is what it is. It's that spirit of this world that says, me first. It's the spirit of the world that says, no, 
because I can. The spirit of the world that that is looking out for me, number one, and I want my way. And if I don't get my way, I'll have a tantrum and, and all the rest of those kind of things that go with that. And, and then as, as a person matures, that also matures with them in some ways. They, they learn socially acceptable things that they can do with it. And, and what happens is, is that some people are better at covering it up. Some people mature better or further along than other people do. And, but it's always still there. And, and so we reach a point in our faith where we make a decision. And this decision is that we're going to decide, am I going to continue to receive of this spirit? Is this the thing I'm going to continue to draw on? Is this what I'm going to continue to pull on in my life to understand things and, and to protect myself and to grow and to mature and to become and to be the person that I'm going to be? Is this what I'm going to pull on? Is this what I'm going to hold on to and I'm going to draw from? Or am I going to draw from the Spirit of God? And the real interesting dynamic are Christians that try to live drawing on the spirit of this world, but then try to live as Christians. Because that's really difficult. And, and it depends on, I guess, whose definition of Christian you're going by. Because, I mean, you can certainly be, you appear to be a nice person and, and draw on the spirit of this world. Certainly you can be a kind person and draw on the spirit of this world if you try really hard. There's certain things that you can fake or there's certain things that you can do. And we all know nice people that aren't Christians and they, they draw on and they somehow continue to draw on the spirit of this world, but they, they, they might come off as nice people. I don't know. But to actually be, live as, grow as, and function as a Christian is impossible if you're drawing on the spirit of this world. You can fake it, and you can look good at it, but it's not it. Because being that nice, kind person, although that's awesome to be that way, and I, I'm not putting that down whatsoever, that is not what being a Christian is. Being a good person is not what being a Christian is. Although it can be a part of it. Certainly. Certainly doing nice things for people, certainly helping the old lady across the street, certainly helping someone buy their groceries or, or whatever it is we're going to do, certainly that kind of service and that kind of love toward others, that, that is part, but it's not the definition. It's not that defining thing that makes us who we are in Christ. It's our relationship with Christ. It's, it's that reality of, of sharing life with him that defines us. And, and an outgrowth of that many times are those kind of things, those kind of deeds, those kind of decisions that we make where we, we lay aside our own interests and take up the interests of somebody else. Sure. But that isn't the definition. It begins with Jesus. It begins with our relationship with him. And so in order for us to grow in that, in order for us to understand that, in order for us to really, really comprehend what that is, we have to draw on the spirit of God. That's what we need to receive. We have to receive Him. So all of these things are spiritual things, the teaching and the influences of the Holy Spirit. And the idea of knowing that in, in, the, in the sense of the Spirit, to know something in the sense of the Spirit isn't to read it in a book. To know something in the sense of the Spirit isn't to drill it and memorize it. To know something in the sense of the Spirit isn't to learn it by the way we learn things in a book, like we want to learn science or math or something. To, to, to understand or know something scripturally and spiritually is to perceive it. To perceive it. In other words, it's a matter of revelation. And we gain our understanding through revelation. And I know we, we've tried to, to, to make the study of God an academic. We really have. We, we've tried to make it so, well, you can study it and then you can know God. It doesn't work that way. You can know about God by studying it, but you're not going to know Him. And, and we want to make it that. And you kind of look at some of the words we use that have been passed down through the centuries. And again, 
I, I'm not, I don't have anything bad to say about it, but the idea of Sunday school. It's school. Well, yeah, but that's really not how we learn spiritually. We perceive. We don't drill and we don't fill in the blank and we don't do all these other things that we learn in other ways that we learn. That's not really how it works out. It has to do with us perceiving. It has to do with us being able to receive of the Holy Spirit and, and to get, get a hold of revelation that comes into our lives. That's how it works. You know, you know where are you going to go if you want to be a pastor? Where do you go? One or two places. Okay, you go to Bible school. You can go to seminary or divinity school. Yeah. You go to the backside of the desert and learn from Jesus by the Spirit. Okay. All right. So, so what I'm getting at is that we have taken this idea and, and we've made it into or we've formed it into some other thing. And, and yeah, when I, when I want to learn a language... I listen to that language and I drill the words of that language into my brain. I, I, that's how I learn. You know, I listen to like audio files and they drill it and I, it goes over my brain. I practice answering the questions and learning the words and all the rest of that stuff. That's how I learn it. And, and, and yeah, I still read the Bible, sure. And sometimes I listen to the Bible when I'm in my car. But the point of me doing that, I'm not drilling it like I'm drilling a language. I'm putting myself in a position to receive, perceive something that God is revealing by his Holy Spirit. That's why I'm doing it. I don't look at the Bible as a textbook because it's not. It's a book of revelation. And so, so when the, the Bible gets divided up into things like a textbook that's why people are so confused about it like how do you believe that i mean this book it has so many contradictions i could care less if you think it has contradictions or it doesn't have contradictions i could care less if you think that this passage isn't the same as that passage i don't care i don't care that there were two angels at the tomb in this gospel and three at the tomb in that gospel or one over here i don't care i don't care about any of that stuff that's not why I'm reading it. I don't read it to rip it apart. I don't read it to try to make it make some kind of sense in my world of what I think should make sense. I want God to reveal himself through it. I want him to speak to me through it. I want some kind of revelation out of it. I'm not trying to make it into another kind of book. I'm not trying to make it into a textbook. I don't need it to be a, a, a purely historical book, although there's history in it. I don't need it to be a book of poetry, although there's poetry in it. I don't need it to be a book of theology, because there's theology in it. There is. What I need it to be is a source of revelation to me, as the Holy Spirit makes it real. That's what I need. I need to perceive God, and I need to understand God through that. I could know every language that the Bible is written in, and be able to conjugate it, and know the words, and be able to write them out, but I still need revelation to understand it. i got to have revelation to get it, to perceive it. Could those things be helpful? I guess, yeah, they could but I'd still have to have the revelation of God in order to understand it and really take something out of it. It was written by the Holy Spirit. It, it, the Holy Spirit inspired people, inspired men, and they took that inspiration and they put it on the paper. Why don't I believe I need inspiration to get it off the paper and back into me? And I hope that kind of makes sense. I, I remember sitting in a, a minister's meeting in Westfield, New York, and they were talking about that at the minister's meeting. They had a guy, a guest speaker there, and he was basically just saying that. He's like, he's like, yeah, it took the Holy Spirit's inspiration to get it on the paper. And he drew it. He had a nice graphic. He had like a picture. It was like Holy Spirit, inspiration, man, Bible, Holy Spirit, inspiration. 
you know, understanding. And, and it seems so obvious. I was sitting there like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And had all these guys sitting around me like, wow, what's he talking about? And I don't, know, I don't know who in there even got what he was saying or even listened to it after a certain point, but it was, it was like mind-blowing to me. Like, this makes complete sense. This makes complete and utter sense to me. I like it. like it. So, somebody look at Ephesians 3, 2. We were talking about not the spirit of the world. What does Ephesians 3, 2 tell us about that? Try a 2 2, sorry. An extra line there. My bad. 2 2. Alright, so so that verse talks about the spirit of this world. And and it does tie in the devil to that, but Really, the spirit of this world isn't necessarily the devil. The spirit of this world is just whatever it is. And it reflects his values, it reflects who he is, and that's all there is to it. And so that involves a certain kind of thinking, which we all have in us. And we can choose to think that way all the time, or we can choose not to think that way. And it's going to creep in sometimes. Even if you choose, you say, you know, I really want to grab hold of the spirit of God. I want to grab hold of what God is saying. Well, that other way of thinking... It's going to creep in sometimes. And then you're going to decide what you're going to do with it. I mean, there it is. Boom, it creeps in. What are you going to do? You going to entertain that? You going to let that rule you? You going to let that guide your thinking and your mind? You going to let that, that, that you know, somehow take over the way that you're going to go about things, the way you're going to understand things, the way you're going to see things? Or are you going to draw on, in those moments, reject that and draw on the revelation that God wants to bring into your life? The truth, the perception. Jesus said that he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And, and we have to somehow, some way, convince ourselves that our thinking or our thought is not the highest truth ever. That we do not somehow in us possess absolute truth. Because we don't. Our thinking is flawed. I don't care how smart you are, your thinking is flawed. You perceive things wrongly sometimes. You understand things wrongly. And therefore, you're going to make bad decisions based on that way of thinking. And so at some point, if we've made a decision, man, I really want the Spirit of God. I really want that revelation. I really want to perceive that. We're going to have to set aside the spirit of this world that's in us in order to take hold of the revelation that God has for us. And it's when we can do that, that we begin to find ourselves moving out of some old ruts that we've been in, some old cycles that we keep finding ourselves going through, and really taking hold of a new perception, a new revelation, and a new understanding of what's going on in our life. Because I don't know about you, but if, if I've tried to figure out my way out of a few things, if I try to figure my way out of something like two or three times and I'm still back in it, I ain't going to figure my way out of it. All right, and I've got to come to that decision at some point. It's like, yeah, all right, well, I, I, got, I think i got to figure it out. I got it this time. You find yourself back there. Okay, I see what I did wrong. Now I got it. No problem. Then how come you're still back there? Oh, well, I just didn't do it right the last time, so I'm going to do it right this time, and I'm going to give it another shot. Yeah, and you're still back there. I, I don't, if I could save you a few more of those trips, I would, to the point that you finally realize you need some revelation to get out of there. That the thinking that is in you, the thinking that you can muster up in, in your brain and in your experience and in who you are is not going to get you out of there. It hasn't yet, and it's not going to. You need revelation. You need to perceive the situation differently, and the only way I know of doing that is drawing on the Spirit of God instead of the Spirit of this world. The Spirit of this world already kept you there. 
Boom, 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 four, five, six times. Rolling through the same thing again. I need some revelation. How about trying that on the third time through? Let's say you forget. Try to get it on the third time through. How about the second time through? How about getting it on the second time through instead and going for the revelation? And here's a weird thought. How about just asking for revelation to start with and getting God's uh, take on it and what he has for you to do, that understanding, and move forward in that? How about that? Because the other ones, I mean, are going to happen because we fall into old habits. But if we're in the old habit and, and we find ourselves cycling around again, let's get to the revelation part sooner. Really. Let's get to that perception sooner. You see, this is the nature of the prophetic. And you have to, and I hope you can follow me on this, because this is the nature of what the prophetic is. This was the nature of the prophetic in the Old Testament, and this is the nature of the prophetic in the New Testament. When God raised up prophets, he raised up men that, and, and, he was, and women that were able to perceive what others could not perceive. Why? Because they were led not by the spirit of this world, but they were led by the spirit of God. And so they heard God, they saw God, they perceived God, they got a revelation of God, and they spoke that revelation to the people that were around them. That's the nature of prophecy. Same in the New Testament. It is the nature of prophecy. Somebody look at 2 Timothy 3.16. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All right. So that's that that God breathed part of this. God breathed it, and we got to get a hold of that that spirit in order to get it, to understand it. It's it's, it's given. And then it's also received. Think about how we breathe. It's just, just nature right now. How did God make us breathe? You breathe in, and then you expel. That makes room for something else. You breathe in, you expel. God, God, God kind of made us that way. It's, it's living. And so if the scriptures really are as living as everyone says they are, which I do believe, there's going to be something living about how we receive of that. There's going to be something living about how that comes into our hearts, into our lives, into our minds. Not to be weird with you or anything. Just kind of the way it is. How many places in the Bible where it talks about the breath of life or, or the breath of God? You know, the Spirit of God is, is the breath of God. That's, he comes in. How do you receive the Spirit of God? You, you receive Him into your life. The Spirit comes in, and the Spirit proceeds forth. And you just kind of follow along with that. And so through the Scriptures, you see that, that, that this is a living thing. And God wants us to be, freely know Him, and freely know His will, freely know His purposes, freely know His plans. So we look at 1 Corinthians 2.11. So, talking about God's thoughts, I mean, I know his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than ours, but what does that verse say, though? What does it say? Because put that into context, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. Yes, they are, but who knows them? The Spirit knows them. So if we want to have any perception, any understanding whatsoever of, of God and his will and his purposes and his plans and his thinking and all the rest of that stuff, our only hope of doing that is by his 
spirit in us. That's it. There's no other way. We're not going to figure it out. We're not going to read enough and it's going to be clear to us or anything else. It's got to come from the spirit. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. But he sent his Holy Spirit to bring that home for us. It's his spirit that does that. That we might know, discern, understand, form ideas of. Be experientially acquainted with God. I mean, how, how do you know somebody? Well, you, you spend time with them. How do you understand somebody? You listen to them. You hear what they have to say about this or that or this subject or whatever it is they're talking about. Well, we have access to God through the Holy Spirit. That's the nature of it. And so the prophet brings forth prophecy so that people can understand. Old and New Testament. But where does the prophet get it from? The prophet gets it from the Holy Spirit. That's the process that takes place here. That's the revelation. That's the perception. That's how God shows himself. And I don't know of any other way that that happens. And so if we're willing, if we're willing to take hold of, if we're willing to, take, to allow his Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us and reveal and to bring forth his thoughts into our hearts, into our lives, then we're going to have something to say. Not only are we going to have something for us, but we're going to have something to say to the people around us too. Without God's Spirit, it is impossible for us to know God. It'd be like a goldfish in a bowl watching people all day. Now, I know if you have a pet fish, you think that fish knows what's going on. Because I've had pet fish before, and I was convinced my fish knew what was going on. Convinced. But chances are my fish was really just a fish. And he may have perceived movement, and he may have perceived shapes, and he may have perceived a lot of different things going on. He knew if someone was moving toward the tank that they might feed him. And so he'd get all excited. He wasn't excited to see me, likely. He was excited to eat. Because I would feed him when I would go near the tank. I, I get that. But that goldfish or that fish isn't really going to understand me or my life. That fish doesn't understand my 401k. That fish does not understand me going to work. What I do at work doesn't understand anything that's going on in my life. That fish doesn't understand me driving a car. That fish doesn't understand anything like that. Nothing. And so without the Spirit of God, we're like a fish watching God moving. We see him. There he's moving again. Maybe he's going to feed me. I'm going to get excited. Nope. Okay. All right, he's moving away now. Lights are off, time to sleep. Good, good. Lights are on, somebody's up. Now, that's kind of funny, but I want you to think about that for a second. How many people live in that depth of an understanding of God? Seriously. Lots. 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 There's no perception of who he really is. No understanding of his will or his purposes or his thoughts or or what, what he looks for, or what he cares about, or how he feels about anything. Nothing. Go ahead. And those are like the first people who would say, well, God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't say that. God wouldn't act like that. Right. Because God is as big as their goldfish brain. <laughs> no, really. That's who he is. Whatever they form in their goldfish brain, that's God. And they base it on him moving toward them, feeds me, moves away, doesn't feed me. Oh, he's moving toward me. I'm excited he's going to feed Oh, he didn't feed me? God's a jerk. Right? Goldfish brain. It's got to be the depth of what God is, who God is. Nope. Yeah, well, it could be that. Goldfish really understand that, though? No. So, it's impossible to know God. Without the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we can't know him. 
I mean, there's a reason. I mean, think about how Jesus, when after he was resurrected, he found the disciples locked away in a room in John 20, and he went into that room. You remember what he did there? He, he said, whoever sins you're forgiven, they're forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, they're retained. But remember what he did there in that room? He breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Because they had known him. He was a person, right? Just walking around person. They spent three and a half years with him. So they, they understood him as well as they could understand him. And it did change life. They had, they had you know, they shared life together. But this is a new situation now. Jesus in a glorified body. Jesus is about to ascend. Jesus, what's he going to do? He's going to send his spirit. He's going to breathe into us so that they can know. Not only God, but they can know one another. And there's something really powerful about that. We need it. Can't live without it. Because God wants more from us than the goldfish existence. He really does. He wants to commune with us. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to have relationship with us. And that's only possible as we have his spirit. And we actually put ourselves in a position to hear him. And we actually put ourselves in a position to receive from him. And we actually put ourselves in a position to learn more about him. To really care. You can be sitting right next to somebody. You can live with somebody in the same house. In fact, you can share a room with somebody like I did in college with this kid, and not give a rat's butt about knowing them. All right, my first roommate, I could have cared less about knowing him. I didn't like him the minute I saw him, and I ignored him for four months. You can do it. I know you can. Yeah. So, so, so really, access isn't the issue either. And I, want, and I want to make this point. Just because you have access to somebody, just because the Holy Spirit's in you, yeah, I'm born again, filled with the Spirit, yeah? All right, good. You got the Holy Spirit in you. Now, you need to care. You need to care enough to get to know Him. You need to. You need to he wants to know you. He's waiting on you. He cares about you. He's already done everything to make this whole thing possible. So he definitely cares about you and he definitely loves you. And he's given you access to him. Do you care enough to even find out? And we've all known people for years and those people, and we may not know them or they may not know us. We know that. So it's possible. But we have to care enough to know. Because it's impossible to know about the Spirit. Well, we get the Spirit good. And what are we going to do with that? What, what's our response to that? How are we going to parlay that into something that's meaningful? Well, we have to care. We really have to care. So, God's Word, His Word that I'm talking about, it's taught to us by the Holy Spirit. It means something by the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us and he reveals to us by the Holy Spirit. That's how it happens. We want to think we can make it happen. Well, we can't. It's God-breathed like we read. It, it proceeds forth from him. And, and here's something you need to understand. We receive from God spirit to spirit. That's how we receive from him. It isn't spirit to flesh. It isn't even spirit to brain. We want to think it's spirit to brain, but it's not. It's spirit to spirit. And so if we're going to receive of the Spirit of God, and we're going to receive that revelation and that percept, we're going to perceive and learn and grow. It's going to be spirit to spirit. And then you're thinking to yourself, my spirit, I wonder what that is. Well, get a hold of it. Get a hold of it. It's as, part, as much a part of you as your left hand. As so much a part of you as your, your foot, as so much a part of you as, as your nose or your ears or whatever. You need to get a hold of your spirit. We don't seem to have any problem getting a hold of our, our physical body. Although I will say this, people do not, you know, and, and this is a common issue with people, 
is that people don't know where their body is in space. They just don't. And you can say, well, what do you mean by that? I said, just that. I mean, just that. Because you can tell people to, to, okay, do this movement. They can't do the movement. Why? Because they can't perceive where their body is in space. So if, if your physical body, you can look at that, right? You see it? It's right here. If you can't perceive where your physical body, and that's, that, that's common for, for us, that's human beings. That's common for us, all right? But if we can't perceive where our physical body is in space, think about our perception of your spirit. What is your perception of your spirit then? You can't even see that, right? It's not like you can make a noise with it. I just snapped my fingers. I just made a noise. So I should know where my hand is in space. Right? Well, a lot of people don't. So your spirit is something. This is something you have to work on. This is something that you work on physically in order to be more coordinated and physically in order to, to, to be more useful and more efficient in what you're doing. And there are exercises you can do to work on that in order to know where your body is better in space. Well, we're going to have to exercise our spirit. We have to put ourselves in a position. I'm listening to you, God. Oh, yeah, God, you speak to me. Oh, I want to see that. And let him move in visions. Let him move in dreams in your life. Just, just be open to him moving and in a still small voice, even through the scriptures. Instead of just reading it like it's a book of some kind, like a textbook of some kind, begin to read it as revelation and see what the Holy Spirit might speak to your spirit as you're reading it, right when you're reading it. You might get through five verses. Well, I'll never finish the Bible that way. Yeah, but maybe you'll get a lot out of it. That'd be awesome. And I've got nothing against reading the Bible, but I will cut my Bible reading time short if God's speaking to me and he's speaking to my spirit about stuff that I'm reading. I have no problem with that. And I will take the time to write it down so I remember. So it's God breathed. We receive spirit, the spirit. And then, and then, we begin to speak that to spiritual men or spiritual people. Okay, 2 Timothy 1.13. What you heard from me, keep this pattern of self-teaching with faith and love in Jesus Christ. All right. So here we have Paul instructing Timothy, young pastor, and what does he say? Well, you've heard me say certain things because Paul entrusted to him the revelation that he received from Jesus. That's what he entrusted to Timothy. And he said, Timothy, you need to take hold of that revelation and then you need to instruct other people too. It's something that's given away. Something we give away. It's the nature of prophecy in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, think about, you know, the people in the New Testament who are running things. I mean, you think of guys like, like Moses. Moses was a prophet. You think about Samuel. Samuel was a prophet. Who was running things? Elijah? Elisha? These people got a hold of what God was saying. And they were able to speak that into whatever situation they were in. Whether they were the ones in charge or they were speaking to the king. But they were the ones directing. They were the ones that were bringing things to pass. Through the word. Speaking spirit to spirit, then to spiritual men and women. Because all of this is spiritual, spiritually discerned. And here's something, and I want to just, this is a little bit of instruction here as I, as I get toward the end of what we're talking about tonight. This is a little bit of spiritual instruction. That when something is spiritually discerned, in other words, the Holy Spirit reveals, we perceive, and we gain some type of an understanding because of the revelation, then we must, now listen to this, many times we must adapt what God has spoken so that others can understand it. Because there are times when, when God will speak to me and it makes perfect sense to me, but I know if I start saying it, nobody else is going to understand what I'm talking about. And so I have to take hold of that which has been spoken 
or that which I've received, that revelation, I adapt it so that other people can understand it. We convey the idea to others. We have a charge as God's people. We have a charge as spirit-filled believers to communicate revelation to other people. We have that charge. Almost every teaching that I, I give you was a matter of revelation. And there's a note somewhere that had like five or six words written down and a verse. And so I take that, and this is the way I want you to understand what I'm saying. I take those five or six words and I take that Bible verse that I received that from and then I, I form it and adapt it into a form so then that people can understand what it says. Because if you just looked at my notes, how are you going to understand five or six words? Because there was only, there were reminders to me. There were, there were things that I wrote maybe some of them two years ago that I wrote down with the verse. But when I read them, something happens and I, I'm reminded. Well, this is what the revelation is. This is what God is saying. This is what I perceive from this. And so I need to adapt this some way in the form of a Bible study or in the form of a sermon so that people can then understand it. Because my revelation, that's awesome. But we're charged to communicate it in a way that others can understand it too. That we're charged to do something. We're charged to excite curiosity in people. We're, we're charged to stir imagination in people. And, and to gain attention toward God. We're charged to those things. And you can say, well, I'm not a teacher. That's okay, you're not. I'm not a prophet. Well, maybe you're not. It still doesn't change the fact that we have a charge over our life to communicate the revelation of God. That's, in the, that's the great commission. Go ye therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so there's a charge that's been put over us to communicate truth, to communicate revelation, to communicate what God is saying, what God is speaking, to communicate who he is to people around us, to excite their curiosity, to stir their imagination, and to gain their attention toward God. Because how else is it going to happen? How else is it going to happen? Has anyone figured out a better way to make that happen? I haven't. I haven't. In fact, I, I based a whole evangelism method on it. Seriously. Get out there, hear from God, speak it. Right? That's what we do. I don't know of any better way to do that. I haven't come up with it. And so, when it comes to teaching, I don't have any better way. When it comes to, to, to preaching, I don't have any better way. When it comes to living our lives in front of people and communicating what we could consider the gospel, the revelation of God, the understanding of God, however it is you want to say it, the mind of Christ, whatever you want to say, I know of no better way of doing it than what I'm describing right here. You've got to have the Spirit of God in you, Spirit speaks to Spirit, and then you entrust that into spiritual people. And then there are those times we speak it to reveal. We speak it to, to excite curiosity. We speak it to stir imagination. All those things. But I don't know of any other way to do it. That's how I know to make disciples. That's how I know to evangelize. That's how I know to, to teach and to preach and do everything else I'm talking about here. But you got to care. It all comes back to you got to want to know him and you got to want to know his heart and you got to want to know his mind. You got to care what the mind of Christ is. That it's not just a phrase and it's not just a word, but really you, you want to know what the mind of Christ is. And if you really want to know, you're going to spend the time and you're going to take the time to do it and receive it. And if you don't, you're just going to sit there like a goldfish in a bowl, doing your best to try to understand what's going on around you when it's really nearly impossible. And mainly just frustrating. There's so much more understanding. There's so much more revelation that God has for us. If we choose to want it. 
And so my word to you tonight is just a word of encouragement toward that. Now, I gave you some instruction here at the end, and, and it was kind of more practical instruction for this, and I hope you're able to receive that. Those of you that have done any kind of discipleship, done any kind of teaching, I hope you were able to receive that. Because to me, that's the application. That's what we're doing. Let's take a few minutes to pray. First, any questions? I'll take one or two questions before we pray. Or any comments? Dave? It could be. Like that moment of that moment of revelation that yes, I've known this, yes, I've heard this, yes, I know it's true, but now all of a sudden it's just so much more. Well, the only thing I'd say is yes, that does happen, and I, I think something like that probably happened with the disciples. That they had been hearing the teachings of Jesus for three years, but somehow, some way, when the Holy Spirit really spoke that into them the revelation came that their lives changed and then they became ministers of that gospel they really became owners of that gospel at that point so i think that can happen i i would i would challenge though that it doesn't have to always happen that way in other words if we're in a position where we're communing that we're connected to the spirit of god with our spirit then we receive revelation right then and then maybe it was never had knowledge or it doesn't even have to be but, but it's the same way of like, like that complete and a way of understanding right right and there's been those moments where i didn't have any head knowledge of anything and i got that revelation and i completely understood without any head knowledge of it, no study whatsoever. There's been times where I've had to go back into the Bible to look at things to get a better understanding from the Bible on things that I received as revelation directly from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So so in that sense, it's kind of, and I don't, I don't believe this is true, but it would be what some people would consider to be backwards. But I don't think that's true. I think it's completely right and forward that we receive the Holy Spirit connects with our spirit and we perceive and receive revelation. I think that's completely right and forward. I really do. All right, let's pray. Again, this is your this is a matter of your will here. Do you want to know him? <laughs> Seriously. You sit by the same person for how long? You don't know who they are? Well, you continue to choose to do that. I'm encouraging you not to. I'm encouraging you to really want to know him and really receive of him tonight. So, so God, I just ask you that as we've come before you, I pray you fill us with your Holy Spirit. That we come to us to be filled. That you'd breathe into us your Holy Spirit. And that we receive of you that we would receive that life, we would receive uh, Him and all that He brings into our life. Holy Spirit as comforter, Holy Spirit as teacher, Holy Spirit as the bringer of revelation. And, and God, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would just connect with our spirits. And I pray, God, for revelation. I pray for understanding. I pray, God, that you just pour out in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Come on, God. We want to know you. We want to know you. We want to know more. We want to know deeper things, God. That you would bring, that we would perceive more tonight. Perceive more of you. Perceive more of your heart. Perceive more of your thoughts tonight, God. 
Because it's the Holy Spirit that knows your thoughts. It's the Holy Spirit that understands your thoughts. And so we ask you, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Connect with our spirit tonight, God. I pray for revelation and perception of more of you here and now. We take the time. We take the time to rest into this for a moment, to press into this and rest into this for a moment to receive that kind of revelation from you. Yeah, who you are, God. What you think, what, what you want, what you have. More of who you are. We want to know you, God. We want to know you. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Fill us. So Fill us, God. Mm. More of you, God. Mm. Want to know you more. Mm. More revelation, God. Fill us. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Fill us, God. Thank you, God. Hmm. God, I pray we take hold of the revelation. Even little things, big things. But we take hold of revelation. And we entrust that revelation. Your spirit to our spirit, to spiritual men and women, to those around us, God. To those around us. Pray your wisdom. And we pray your boldness. And pray, God, we just want to keep pressing in with you and know you more every day. Know you more tomorrow than we know today. Thanks for the opportunity and the provision to do that. I pray we take it, take it seriously, and we put the time in to do it. Give you thanks tonight and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's agree with an amen.